This podcast is brought to you by LMGPR, Silicon Valley PR that reaches the world. The right story, the right audience equals real business results. Learn more about how we can help you by visiting us at lmgpr.com. Welcome to Almost Here, Round the Corner of Future Technology Podcasts with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies poised to transform our lives for better or worse are the focus of this podcast. Almost Here means these technologies are now here and starting to be used or just around the corner from Bitcoin to artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more. This podcast is brought to you by LMGPR, Silicon Valley PR that reaches the world. The right story, the right audience equals real business results. Learn more about how we can help you by visiting us at lmgpr.com. Hello, this is Richard Jacobs with the Future Tech Podcast. My guest today is John Callahan. He's the Chief Technology Officer at Viridium ID. Um, the website is viridiumid.com. So, John, how are you today? Oh, fine, Richard. Thank you. Yeah. Well, let's start off you know, with the basics. What's the premise of Viridium? So, uh, uh, Viridium has been working for years on reducing and eliminating uh, identity threat attacks. Uh, by replacing hmm. passwords with uh, biometrics. And uh, we think passwords are flawed. I mean, I don't have to go into the litany of accounts, of, uh, but um, that's why we've assembled uh, you know, a great team of developers and computer scientists uh, and biometric scientists on a single mission to eliminate passwords uh, completely and instead use your face, uh, fingerprints, and voice and other biometric modes uh, for authentication. Okay. So what are the preferred uh, biometric ways to verify yourself? Well, that's interesting. That varies. Uh, so uh, many of us are familiar with Touch ID that came out years ago uh, thanks to Apple. Now they have Face ID. These are native biometrics on the phone. Um, they can protect, so take Touch ID. Uh, that can be um, spoofed in some cases, but it's good enough for, say, account uh, uh, balance act access, but not for more sensitive operations that uh, will require uh, higher modalities like fingerprint, which is highly distinctive mm. and unique. So you have to balance the um, risk and threat against the biometric modality. So if you were to rank uh, biometric verification, I don't even know what's possible. I mean, you know, <laughs> let, let me know what's possible and then which are the, um, I guess, the most difficult to uh, spoof or to fake and which are the easier ones to fake or spoof? Sure. So uh, there is debate in the biometric community. Um, I'm a computer scientist background, not a biometric scientist. We have them on staff. But in general, it's agreed that um, at the very top uh, of uniqueness and what's called entropy, that is the number or pieces of data and information uh, that can be placed into a biometric vector. So iris is at the top. Right? So you're uh, not the vein pattern of the eye, but the actual iris itself. Uh, below that fingerprint. And then uh, below that, you begin to get into even more argument of uh, face, uh, voice, uh, and and then uh, single digit uh, fingerprint is somewhere along there as well. When I say fingerprint, I mean um, either eight finger or 10 finger. Hmm. Okay. So what, what biometric methods are easier to deploy and which ones have you chosen to, uh, you know, to commercialize? So, uh, Given that type of ranking at high risk, our platform, so we have uh, two products, um, uh, Viridium ID and Viridium AD. 
those products, um, uh, they, uh, and, and you can contact, anyone can contact our sales team uh, via our website for a quick demo. Um, these two products, they're very similar. So Viridium ID is the core product. Viridium AD uh, comes with all the plug-in adapters for uh, things like uh, uh, Active Directory integration right, you know, right out of the box, uh, even uh, on uh, Azure AD or any LDAP type of uh, identity assertion uh, agent. So we can work with existing accounts to enroll biometric um, uh, uh, authentication uh, in your environment. The, um, the core product, Viridium ID, is uh, based on an IEEE standard that we actually pioneered uh, uh, about four years ago. Uh, we work with the IEEE, and that's uh, the IEEE standard, IEEE 2410, so 2410. It's affectionately known as the Biometric Open Protocol Standard, or BOPS, B-O-P-S. Uh, and that's okay. available publicly. It's published uh, publicly. That standard uh, is an end-to-end -end mobile server type of environment that uh, biometric uh, enrollment and authentication can happen uh, on the mobile device only, or can actually also operate on the server side. The modes you can pick from, so to get to your question, uh, okay. The modes you can pick from uh, vary. So it's a pluggable framework. We offer out of the box uh, native phone biometrics like um, Touch ID, Face ID that are uh, with the device itself. But we also offer our own um, what's called four fingers technology. You actually take a picture of your hand. I don't know if your viewers have seen this, but I urge them to go to our website. You take a picture of your four fingers of uh, your hand. You can either use your right hand or left hand, or in some cases, both. That okay. uh, registers you. And it works on any iOS or Android device probably within the last uh, three to four years. You just need a five megapixel camera on the, uh, on the Android or iOS uh, device and uh, a back flash. It operates in any environment, dark lighting, which has a problem with face, right? So if you're in a dark room, face has difficulties, or if you have a bright light source behind you with face, but four right. fingers uses the uh, the flash. So that gets you the four fingers, which is just, you know, uh, almost the best. Uh, again, only Iris is, is uh, a, better, a little better than that. Um, so we pioneered that, and we offer our own uh, face uh, on that uh, using the front camera. So, uh, that those are the modes that we offer uh, as a product. So the four, all right, the, the four finger solution that's essentially using your fingerprint, or you know what happens? You take the picture of your four fingers, and then what? Any of your four fingers can verify you in the system, or you can you can actually configure it like that. You can configure for a selective finger, but yes, it does use your fingerprints. Right, so it extracts what's called the fingerprint minutia from your that picture. The raw picture is not used; it's discarded after processing, and we do the minutia. Each fingerprint, each finger, the prints uh, can have, you probably have about 140, what are called distinctive points on each finger. Uh, any particular sensor reading will pick up about 40 to 50 of those. And if you mm. multiply that times four fingers, you have a lot of what's called entropy or information then. Uh, not as good as iris, but uh, second best there. So any of those four, any of those four fingers, fingers you could use you to verify yourself. So the software is parameterizable. You can say it needs to match uh, every single one, or you can use a selective digit. So that's that's a parameterization that you do during configuration. Okay. Any reason you don't include the thumb? Is it just harder to take a picture of all five <laughs> digits versus four? Basically, yes. Yeah. So 
It is, uh, try it with your phone. It's a little awkward taking a picture of your thumb and also looking at the screen of the device. You can do it. And we do offer a, a thumb modality. Uh, it's usually turned off uh, by the default configuration. And it has to be taken separately. You cannot take it. So you, it has to be a separate session. So yeah, mm. the session meaning you take a picture of your four fingers and then you take a picture of your thumb in the next uh, like uh, screen. Okay. okay. And the camera's good enough that it can see the whirls and all the other things associated with your prints? Absolutely. Uh, uh, so as I said, you need a five megapixel camera better uh, and then a back flash on the device. You can even use a, an iPad, uh, the ones with the back flash, like in a kiosk mode setting up. Uh, we've had customers who use it for uh, multi-user multi devices, like in a kiosk mode. But in general, the so the camera needs to be five megapixel better with the back flash. And not only can it pick up all the whirls and swirls, but also the 3D, so to prevent spoofing, that you're not showing a picture of uh, your hand, um, mm. the flash and camera can really pick up a lot of the 3D aspects. That's some of our intellectual property, of course, is all the methods for detecting that it's a, a real hand being held up. Um, I, I can say one thing, that shadows are important, right? So. Okay. Um, and I guess, yeah, if I think about pictures of people, it's rare you'll see their, you'll see the back of their hands, but not the front. So I guess you, it would be hard to find pictures of people and use those to, uh, to spoof so, them. Yeah. So certainly, um, you know, that's, there's a lot of debate in biometrics. Uh, I joined the company about two years ago. Uh, I'm not a biometric scientist by training, but a computer scientist dealing with cybersecurity, uh, in my past. And, um, I think what really sold me on biometrics finally was, first of all, that we offer a whole ecosystem and platform for biometrics, not a single biometric modality, right? And the second thing is, is I think with these supercomputers in our pockets now, we have the platform for actually doing uh, really good sensing of biometric data. And uh, over the next decade, I think our phones are going to get really good at knowing that it's you as a real person presenting your, your biometrics to the device. Um, I'm looking forward to it. So I think this is a time, you know, passwords have really grown very long in the tooth. I went back to the early days of the internet and have had passwords ever since. And, and it's very difficult to manage. So this is primarily for you to get into your smartphone and keep it away from other people getting into it. But, um, you know, what if you're dealing with a company at a distance? You know, you want to log into your bank, bank account or you want to verify uh, yourself and you're out and about. What kind of solutions would work there? No, so so we offer uh, primary authentication, uh, second factor authentication, and multi-factor authentication, including step-up authentication for either the device or, you know, very critical operations um, uh, on the back end. So they can be protected with our biometrics. Well, what is that? What is this step and that? What does all that mean? I'm a, I'm a layperson, so I don't understand. Oh, okay. Okay. So uh, authentication uh, is a, a request to access a particular resource. I won't talk about authorization, but authentication, uh, you're going to, you want to perform uh, some operation on a resource. So you may have to, um, you know, getting, as you said, getting into your phone is one step. And that might just be easy with Touch ID, right? But if you're mm -hmm. going to log into your bank account, and perform a transfer of funds. That might actually step you up to our four fingers technology, right? If you're gonna transfer over a certain amount. Or for example, if you're 
in a location that is not normally recognized, like your geographic area, uh, the backend system may require a step-up authentication uh, to verify it's really you. So think about logging into your account when you perform a critical operation. There might be an extra step right. that you're prompted for. Right. That we can we can we offer. So that covers the whole range of authentication uh, uh, um, cases, all the way from primary authentication, like touch ID on a device. Second factor, right? So maybe after password is an option. We have some customers that they're dabbling in biometric uh, authentication and they sort of want to try it out as a 2FA offering. And then all the way to MFA and step up authorization. You're already logged in, but now this is actually, you're, you're performing some you know, administrative function or changing a password, uh, anything that takes high risk. So you really want to use a stronger biometric modality. Well, what, you know, let's say a bank with, I don't know, Bank of America and, you know, they don't have any of this stuff. They just have their traditional passwords and all that. How can I use your system to, you know, make my login with them successful? Do you, do you have to partner with them and they accept your particular identification or can I use it somehow to work with them and make my account more secure? Yeah, that's a great question. So now we offer as a product our uh, Viridium ID and AED, and it does require, um, so a, a bank, uh, so, and I can go into one of our customer success stories in a moment. Uh, they use our so server and deploy it uh, and use our SDK, our software development kit, on mobile devices to uh, augment their uh, application. Right? So you may take the bank application, uh, insert our software in it with the software development kit. But it, so we don't offer a customer app ourselves. But we do have an app on the App Store and Play Store. Uh, we have some customers that they didn't want to do a branded app of their own, and they just want to use our app. So we do have an app there, but you do need our backend server. Uh, and the institution does have to deploy our server, and it can be deployed in the in the cloud or on-prem. Okay. Um, yeah. So what was the success story you were talking about? So uh, uh, our, our earliest success story was with Bunk Bank in the Netherlands, uh, B-U-N-Q, uh, for those of you searching. And uh, we went live with them in late 2016, and they've really uh, uh, had a great success ever since then. Um, they were the first person to roll out our use of Four Fingers technology. Uh, uh, they are a branchless bank in the Netherlands. There is no physical branch. Right? And in fact, uh, part of the enrollment process um, is you can enroll in the bank uh, remotely. And part of that mm. is uh, requiring you to do your four fingers, and they use this for um, a what's called a know your customer check in the background before opening up accounts. Most banks around the world require a know your customer check um, uh, for anti-money laundering purposes, right, before opening up an account. And a brand, a bank with no branches, of course, you know, where are they going to do this? So they used our technology to really strengthen that, and then subsequently use four fingers for. Uh, the Four Fingers Biometric for access to your account. And um, so Bunk has been a great partner with us ever since late 2016. Okay. Um, are there any other ways that, oh, I, I don't want to reveal it, I guess, but, you know, how? so you know if someone's trying to take um, a picture of their hand from a photograph, are there any other ways or any other vectors where, um, you know, people try to spoof the system that are common? So uh, I, I, this is this is one thing uh, I think about all the time. Certainly, what's what are called presentation attacks, technically. Okay, so we have been working with uh, the National Institute uh, of Standards and Technology, or NIST, in the United States for 
you know, the last three years on a program. It's called the contactless fingerprint standard. So using portable devices and cameras, right? Up till now, the U.S. government has only certified slap scanners. So you, you've probably seen that where you put your hand on the device uh, at airports and so forth. Um, but they're actually just published the beginnings of work on um, what's called contactless fingerprint. So taking a picture of your hand like mm. our technology does. Um, but we have, they uh, have this term presentation attack, which characterizes the types of, we would call it spoofing uh, as well. Um, right. But this, remain, this always remains a problem. And we are very vigilant to keep our technology, you know, ahead of the, the spoofers. Um, that, that, you know, we do a very uh, uh, diligent job of securing all the particular cases. But I think over the next decade, what we'll see, Richard, is um, as we move away from passwords, and they'll always be with us in some sense, I'm sure, but uh, as we move away from passwords toward biometrics and the phones get better, spoofers, of course, are going to be attacking. But it's going to be a bit of an arms race, right? So using biometrics is not a panacea. There'll probably be discoveries, um, but we are proud to offer a platform with pluggable biometrics. So, for example, voice uh, sometimes has problems now in playback. There has been some spoof attacks on voice, right, that uh, can be do very good at, so, you know, you, for example, have a podcast. There's lots of recordings of your voice out there. And, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, neural networks can learn your voice patterns and then simulate that. So, you know, voice has actually moved down the spectrum of biometric strengths uh, based on the, the spoofing attacks. So you, we never know. New modalities might happen over the next decade that are good. Um, ear pattern, a heartbeat, right? So you wear an Apple Watch or something or a Fitbit, you've got your uh, cardio pattern. Uh, but the idea being that the, your portable device is going to get better and better at knowing that that is the live you uh, and hopefully seamlessly uh, use that biometric for authentication. Yeah, what if, um, you know, I take a picture of my fingers and then, I don't know, someone's able to break into that file on my phone. I mean, once the phone accepts it, you know, maybe it's encrypted. I'm sure it's encrypted, but you know, what happens if that file gets out, then it would be, it, it seems like a double-edged sword, you know, being, it works better to have biometrics to make things uh, more secure. But then once, if you get into that walled garden, then it becomes very much less secure, it seems like. Sure. So I, I think what you're talking about is like protection of the biometric data itself uh, can then be yeah. compromised and used. Yeah. So actually we, we have a program that, um, so I was presented with this problem very early on that on one hand, biometrics make it more convenient and seamless for authentication, but uh, the biometric data itself is highly sensitive. So, and, and even stored on your phone, it can be vulnerable, uh, particularly on servers, uh, uh, if biometric data being there presents a big opportunity if it's in a silo of data, right? So in a, some sort of database. Um, so there is an answer to this. And so we joined an effort over a year ago um, uh, several organizations, one called the Decentralized Identity Foundation or the DIF, D-I-F, and the other one is the Sovereign. And these organizations are promoting something called self-sovereign identity. Uh, this is a technology that uses uh, blockchain technologies to allow you to hold the biometric data yourself. And you can store it in your phone, uh, you can uh, keep it in a, a cloud wallet, but it, it's instead of being in a silo, it's back at data you control and can control access to, right? Shut off or remove uh, yourself. So self-sovereign identity pr promotes the, the, the control of that those identity credentials, 
even things like passports, um, you know, driver's license will move in this direction. It's funny that we still have paper, right? Uh, objects and documents, right? For important things. We don't trust them online yet digitally. Okay. But there are efforts right now that are actually trying to digitize very important documents like that. But if you get to hold it, right, instead of in a central silo, how does somebody you're presenting that credential to know that it's valid? Well, they can use the blockchain to check for the validity because when it was issued, it can essentially be digitally signed so that when you present it, they can check on the chain. And uh, the W3C, actually funded uh, partly by the Department of Homeland Security in the US, uh, is actually working on the standard. They're like URLs for, they work across different blockchain technologies. And regardless of Bitcoin blockchain, the sovereign blockchain, Ethereum, identity credentials can be uh, written out there and then checked later. It's called the DIDs or decentralized identifiers. They're like the URLs for the future inter-blockchain standard. I, I urge uh, your uh, listeners to go look at the DID standards, W3C. This solves the problem of allowing you to hold of siloed data and allowing you to hold those credentials yourself and have control of those. And it spreads the attack surface, right? For uh, for hackers to, so they'd have to break into everybody individually, right? I'm not saying it's it's going to protect everything, but they're certainly not going to break into a single silo and download 20 million, you know, biometric records, right? So that's that's right, so, right, gotcha. That that's the long answer, but uh, this is being promoted not just for biometric data storage, but things like your health record, your medical records, right? That you need control of. Um, so um, again, it's it's an exciting uh, work that we're partnering with. Uh, sovereign and the diff. Gotcha. Okay. So right, right now, like social security numbers, dates of birth, et cetera, they're in databases all over the world. Uh, I mean, I'm sure they've probably all been hacked. And uh, <laughs> even though you could essentially disassociate yourself from your social security number, you can't disassociate yourself from your biometric data. So I guess there's a little bit of a trade-off there. But like you said, with you know, with using encryption and uh, a public blockchain, then you could tie. Um, a certain biometric to you, and you could even show. I guess it would only allow access. Um, well, I wonder how how would you control access to it? Let's say again, you had your um, iris scan or your fingerprint scan on, you know, I don't know the Bitcoin blockchain. Uh-huh. Um, unless you knew the the key, the private key to unlock the use of that data, I guess you're the only one that could use it, and it would be encrypted. And no one could see it either. So let me correct you there. The biometric sure. data should never should never be stored on a blockchain. Uh, the oh, biometric okay. the, the biometric data is back with you, uh, either on a phone or a cloud wallet, uh, you know, or a server you control. And and the decentralized identity foundation has concepts of what's called a, a wallet, right, that you control. Mm-hmm. And again, they could be in your phone. So I, I won't digress down that. But what's on the blockchain is essentially the digital signature, right? So when that's issued, when you later present those credentials. The relying party, say receiving the credentials, can verify that that you know they correspond to you, and they use that um, in that digital signature. For example, on the blockchain, will be a public key associated with that biometric uh, enrollment, and uh, you'll be presented with a challenge from the relying party, which can only be locked by uh, authenticating biometrically, and then returning the challenge response back. So this eliminates. Authentication from three parties where you have an identity provider now, you know, SAML and OpenID Connect, things like login, login with Google, right? That, that, mm. that, rely, that relies on three parties, you, 
what's called the relying party or the server you want to get into. And then the IDP or the identity provider, like Google, uh, three entities have to be involved in that conversation, right? But here, it's just you and the relying party, you're presenting your digital credentials. Um, they have to challenge you back, that you actually control those credentials, right? And use the blockchain as the intermediary and they could cache the blockchain well in advance, right? So you essentially can do a two-party, what used to be a three-party transaction down to a two-party transaction and you retain control of those credentials. Hmm. Okay. So what are some of the uh, the hurdles to, I guess, the full rollout of this or using a blockchain, you know, to, uh, to secure people's biometric identification? So uh, uh, things are really accelerating rapidly with um, self-sovereign uh, identity and self-sovereign biometrics. So um, there are several products out now uh, using it. Uh, we're partnering with some of those uh, companies using um, uh, our SDK. M most of the projects are in uh, stealth mode right now, but again, you can look on the sovereign and decentralized identity sites to um, uh, get an idea of our partners. Okay, very good. And uh, in addition to the four fingers, is there another uh, technology that you're using for biometric identification? So in addition to uh, the, in addition to the four, four fingers, is yeah, there another in addition way? To four yeah. Fingers. yeah, in addition to four fingers, we support native biometric moda modalities like Touch ID, Face ID, or um, Android uh, fingerprint devices. So those are native to the devices. Uh, but we also offer our own face uh, ID. So that uses the front camera uh, that you can use your face. So those are the um, modes we currently have uh, within our default uh, uh, products, uh, Viridium ID and Viridium AD. Okay. What, what stage are you at? Are people able to uh, download an app and start using it right now, or is it still in uh, production? So uh, you have to contact our sales team uh, via our website for a demo, uh, but we do have deployed products. So as I said, we have a Viridium Authenticator app that's in the App Store. That is for uh, existing uh, clients um, uh, who don't, you know, they don't want to do their own app uh, or use their SDK, they just, and they don't mind our own branding. Uh, but it's deployed, right? So we have uh, several customers now, um, European um, uh, Police Force, a national police force, uh, a multinational Swiss bank. I can't mention the name, but these are some of our customers who already have our, our products deployed. Okay. Well, very good. Um, what's the best way for people to get in contact? You know, website, email, what, what do you suggest? So uh, www.viridiumid, and that's viridium, V-E-R-I-D-I-U-M, ID.com. So it's an M on the end, like Mary, so viridiumid.com. Uh, and click through to the, the sales uh, force. So there's a, uh, the, the sales uh, link and there's a mm -hmm. phone numbers there as well. Okay. Well, very good. Well, John, thanks for coming on the podcast and I appreciate it. Well, thank you, Richard. You've been listening to Almost Here, Around the Corner Future Technology Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Subscribe to this podcast, post a review to discover more future technologies that are poised to transform our lives for better or worse, such as Bitcoin, artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more.